Hey everybody, I'm Alex, coming straight at you from the perch, and this is Lunchbox Radio. So, before we get started, I just wanted to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately. As always, if you haven't heard the last Sunday edition, it was on Big Ideas. It was a little, it, I was feeling a little bit under the weather. It was a little rambly, but it's still got some great stuff in there, so definitely go check that out. You should also go check out, feeling, speaking of feeling a little bit under the weather, um... My podcast on Child of Kamiari Month, which was the third day edition, the previous third day edition in the feed. But on that note, let's jump right into it with what we're talking about today. A little show that just had a season two announced. Um, And that show is, I'm not going to try and say the Japanese name. Um, That show is Classroom of the Elite. Now, for those of you who maybe haven't been watching anime for a super long time, which I will fully admit is probably some of you, it, Classroom of the Elite may seem like a odd, almost militaristic idea, but you don't have to be a, you don't have to have been watching anime for a long time to know that it's really not. If you're looking for other contemporaries of Classroom of the Elite or other or things that preceded Classroom of the Elite, at least in the anime space, you don't have to look very far. You can look at things like Baka and Test. You can look at things like um, Special A, which was which is of like early early aughts anime that really captured a lot of the same things that um, Classroom of the Elite is going for. But the Classroom of the Elite succeeds and fails at things that both things like Baka and Test and Special A succeeded and failed in different ways. So the idea behind Classroom of the Elite and the other two shows I just mentioned are kind of heightening 
this already well-worn thing that exists not just in Japanese classrooms and not just in Japanese um, high school high school education systems, but also an American high school education system. If you've ever gone to an American high school where they offered AP or advanced classes, that's not much different than the letter grading system in the, the letter placement system in, say, a Japanese high school. And um, in, for example, in my high school, which was a very, like, a really well-known American high school, like a really well-renowned American high school on the East Coast, we had everything from, like, standards, standard class, we had, like, the standard classes that everybody attended, which were pretty normal. Um, English, math, that stuff. We had what's called advanced placement courses, AP courses for short. Those were like AP, AP math, AP English, that stuff. They call it different things in different places all over the all over the country and all over the world. But there's also like special ed versions of everything that are essentially the normal courses, but taught slower and in kind of excruciating detail with and stuff because they want to pay more attention to each student. I was actually in just about every AP art class and art elective you can imagine. I am the closest thing to a art Olympian as you can probably imagine. Um, but the, the idea behind this is that you're placing students where their intellectual ability claims they deserve to be. And one of the funniest things that I ever heard when I was in school was I did exceedingly well in math for one year. And that year was when I did geometry. And I did so well in geometry that my math teacher <laughs> pulled me aside. Not even pulled me aside, like, said to me, made sure to say to me in front of the rest of the class, like, hey, you should really sign up for, um, for calculus, which is, which was like the thing after geometry. And I just looked at her and I was like, oh, you think I'm doing the math? That's adorable. I said this as like a sophomore or something. That's adorable. I'm not doing the math. I'm just straight up using spatial awareness to solve all of the geometry problems. <laughs> I'm using art to do this lady, not math. I'm not that smart, I promise. But in things like, meanwhile in things like art, I was that skilled and that knowledgeable and that capable. And I've remained so to this day, <laughs> quite frankly. But, The way that this stuff works is that it it can often create separations in like and not just class and not just it can create kind of a class system academically in schools and in the social life of schools. Like yes, you are a normal kid but you still go to what they would call special ed math or 
bedhead mass, which is a derogatory abbreviation. And kids think different of you for that. And teachers treat you differently because you're being taught different stuff and you have a different background. And you may have, you may have cognitive issues when it comes to um, the syntax of, of learning or writing in a language. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a dumb kid. My, a perfect example, also from my, I believe my sophomore year. I was able to, you were, you had to take an elective every year and either every semester, every year, probably every semester. And the kind of most stunning thing I ever had to, I ever was able to do in my elective was I took a creative writing course and even my creative writing teacher was like, you are so lucky I'm not grading you on like grammar or spelling because that shit is atrocious. <laughs> but your the actual content of your writing, once you move past that, is excellent. And that has been that had been true to that point and it's still true and has still been true since I was in like elementary school. I mean I won poetry awards in elementary school. <laughs> and uh, the kind of hilarious thing was that I was, like, scraping by in special ed English because I was being graded all the technicalities of writing, not the content of my writing. The content of my writing was what was saving me in normal English class but allowed me to straight up score, like, score high enough to not have to take the final. <laughs> like, I got to take the period off. Um, in, in creative writing. And so right there is where you have this thing that a lot of these elite high schooler shows, which is what Classroom of the Elite is in the, in the family of, are really talking about. And if you look at something like um, Special A is really about the Baca and Test is also about this, but Baca and Test is a significantly jokier show than even something like Special A or especially something like um, Classroom of the Elite. But the reason why we have shows that are so critical of this system coming out of anime and not really coming out of much of anywhere else is because this system has a profound consequence on the young people of Japan. And, and as a result, not just on like the high school age young people, but all the way up through your 20s and 30s, you have lived through this like roughshod gambit of an academic system that praises you for like that encourages you and praises you for a lot of things that end up being detrimental to you as just a person in the world if that makes any sense and so because the, the Japanese academic system prizes a kind of not an artificial intelligence, but a kind of 
intelligent intelligence above creativity intelligence above like book like book smarts over street smarts in a way that can warp people especially when they're young and it it, it combines that with the way Japanese society looks at it looks at its citizens from straight up kindergarten through death as kind of molding a perfect worker or molding people who are good at being cogs in the machine. And you come up with this odd societal pipeline that becomes a problem and ma and makes people a problem and ignores problems in people as long as they can be good cogs in the machine, so to speak. Um, and it can also have this kind of fetishization or prizing of a kind of, not a useless intelligence, but a kind, but an application of intelligence that misses, that doesn't account for the humanity of it, so to speak. And that kind of instilling of a class system very early on, especially in high school, can cause all kinds of fucked up problems. And creates and can create characters who are like people. Not when I say characters, I really mean people who are just just fucked from the from the from the word go, or who develop these personality traits because of what they're praised for over time. That breed for all kinds of fucked up versions of people. Um, I'll give you a example actually from my college days. Um, me and actually Lauren knows this person too. Hi Lauren. You know who I'm talking about. No one else world. I promise. Um, when I first met Lauren she was friends with somebody and this person was incredibly vain and incredibly needy when it came to attention. Like they needed, I'm not even going to say the gender, but they needed attention to like the nth degree and they would act out if they didn't get attention. And I asked Lauren, like how, at some point, like how did this person get like this? What, what happened? And in so many words, what Lauren said to me, once again, hi Lauren, is that this person had the same things about them praised over and over again from a very early age, and that really embedded into that person's idea of their own worth and their own value. And to be clear, like, it wasn't anything creepy or anything untoward. 
but it and I'll, I'll be this specific because it's important it was the, the thing that was praised was it, oh you're so pretty from a very young age and that latched onto that person for long enough and was never it was never um curved and then by the time it was it's like that instinct could have been curved what happened was is you get into like grade school you get into middle school hormones and like that pretty comment is now an attractive comment from you know potential like significant others and like people looking at you with like hormone eyes from middle school onward and you internalize those thoughts as and I want to be clear anybody internalizes these thoughts in all kinds of directions I'm noticeably physically disabled and I can tell you it is a conscious decision for me to ignore people who fucking stare at me who Look at me like they've never looked at anyone in their life. In a way that's like, oh, what? I didn't know that could happen in a person. Like, what? The. The. The phrase I use for the way people look at me as a disabled person is, what did the army do to that? It's a, what did the army do to that guy look? And I, at some point, had to make a conscious decision of either notice it and call it out every single time and go fucking crazy, which is not my, which shouldn't be my responsibility, or like know that that's always happening, but just go on with my goddamn day. And that's with a negative thing where it's like a, it's a more positive experience to get to go that way to go the way of I have to ignore this I can't internalize this or else I will lose my mind rather than a positive like a positive feedback loop of and this has happened to me usually in other countries usually hilariously in African countries specifically Morocco like I I look Moroccan to people. I look either Eastern European or Moroccan to people <laughs> to such an extent that when I was in Morocco, like young women would stare at me like people stare at Justin Timberlake. They were like, oh, he's the best looking person I've seen in this city. And it was, I, I, I caught women giggling at me. It was weird. And that's not my first time experiencing, like, women, like, looking at me like, oh, he's, he's a fucking snack. But it was, it was the most outward I've ever experienced it. I imagine if you got that kind of attention enough, that's a really good feeling. You wouldn't do what I had, what disabled people or, um, Oftentimes, even black people have to do 
with the kind of attention, negative attention that you get, that you can't absorb it all because you'll drive yourself crazy. And that's just an example of how, like, reinforced behaviors can change a person. Not ruin always, but change a person. And in, in Japanese schools, as, as, in Japanese schools, that, like, attention, that reward is given for excelling still in a very traditional sense of the word. Like, if you are a genius manga artist, in the way that, say, Taikobu was in, the, in his high school years, where everybody praised his drawing, even that is this recognition of a track and a future career and a reward given to somebody for molding into that, for molding into something that can go along, into a version of a person that can go along that path. And if you look at the manga industry, like the people who are most lauded are the ones who kick their own ass or continue to kick their ass, like Ichiro Oda does. For the longest, like they take, they take no prisoners in their work, in their work habits. They're like working constantly. And this is, um, a, a vestige of Osamu Tezuka, the fucking madman that he was. And that, that, that terrible work-life balance, that terrible... Overfocusing has created this industry that for anybody who might be good at it but isn't bred for that style of work of work life balance, it like shreds them. The artist who was responsible for um Yu Hakusho went insane making the Yu Yu Hakusho manga. Same thing with Hunter Hunter. That's why Hunter Hunter has no real end. It's because he lost his mind and had caused himself to have a bunch of health problems as a result of overwork and all the pressures that the manga industry puts on talented people to keep putting out pages no matter what. And the other side of Japanese society that it really started in schools is in um, somewhat middle school, but especially high school, is... Privilege of it, privilege of choice because of price and because of the amount of money you can spend, and that's where Classroom of the Elite really separates itself from its counterparts. Like once again, Baka and Test and Special A. There are all kinds of other. There are all kinds of other um like overachiever special class shows out there by the way 
um, is that it shows this, it's that it bends towards this hyper-capitalist, everything is for sale moment that is true, not, that is true of America once you're kind of an adult, but is that's true in reality once you're an adult, but in in Japanese society, there's this style that is associated with the wealthy, and there is this recognition of like wealth as being right and just, and this is true uh, in lots of Asia beyond any. Beyond a lot of, not necessarily beyond um, that of what it is in America, but it is, it is so much more blatant and so much more ripe for the picking when it comes to satire that it, it's, let me put it this way. You notice when something is very much playing in like the East Asian super wealth of it all and they're not really choosing to sat- satirize it in a really meaningful way. Look at um and it's a it's a great like fun romantic comedy drama movie. Um but look at uh um a movie like Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians is wealth porn at its core. Like it's Celebrated for being this all Asian American cast and very Asian American and and Asian period centric story, but it's not. How should I put this? It's not. It is not as it is not critical in almost any way of the wealth that is that is on display in that show that is that is the escapism of that movie is just the sheer wealth of it all and i will tell you i've seen both ends of like the extreme wealth spectrum i've like eaten at some of the most famous restaurants in the world and i've like gone home that same day to like spend actually the story from um from morocco i stayed in marrakech um, in Morocco for a couple days. It was a bunch of... I stayed at a bunch of different places in Marrakesh. In um, Morocco. Or two different places in Morocco, rather. I stayed in Fed And I stayed in Marrakesh. Marrakesh has one of the top ten hotels in the world. A hotel called Mamouya. And it's... Um, kind of trademark is... Most of it's... Like help staff wear these majorelle blue, which is a very specific color of, like, deep marina blue um, suit jackets with, these be- with like, beautiful white pants and this beautiful white flat-brimmed um, hat. And a the buffet lunch at Mumuya is a hundred bucks a head. <laughs> the buffet lunch... Which is, by the way, it's still delicious. It is awesome. But to give you an idea of 
what happened when me and the person I were with, I was with at the time went into the hotel from the Riyadh that we, we weren't staying at the hotel. We were staying in a Riyadh somewhere up, um, a little ways away in Fez. In like Fez city proper. And it was a nice Riyadh. I'm not complaining about that. It was actually beautiful. <laughs> but when we entered this hotel, first off, we had to give up like, and they kept it behind the desk. They kept them behind the desk for us. Like our bags from shopping in the in the market in Marrakesh, um, we had to leave our bottle of water. Nothing, none of the filth, so to speak, of the outside world could come into this fantasy thing that they had created for their guests. Some guests who would come stay at this hotel, see maybe um, the uh, gravesite and former estate of. Um, I believe he was the person who created um, YSL, who was responsible for like the major uh, blue color. Um, they would see that, and they would see the hotel, and that would be largely it. Maybe the Marrakesh History Museum, which is insane for a whole bunch of underfunding reasons, but um. They had high-end shops, like, they, they had, like, Louis Vuitton shops in this, um, hotel. They had, like I said, this $100 buffet. But what's most telling is, once I, as a disabled person, entered this space and was understood to be a paying guest in this space, though I had a shadow. I had somebody who prepared my plate for me got anything I pointed to, put it on the plate, and followed me around the buffet. Something that I would have, like, mitigated myself in a normal buffet environment. But because it was that, it was purporting to be that high-end, the person who I was there with said, I'm pretty sure that if we stayed here, you would not have to lift a finger. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to bet that's right. I'm going to bet that's absolutely right. And that kind of, that kind of wealth goes to your head no matter what you do. And that kind of, that kind of wealth and privilege goes to your head no matter what you do. And if that is tied to your academic achievement and your intelligence... Both of those thing, both of those balloons blow up at the same time, so to speak. Like you get a big head in both of those areas. So, um, and actually, a great contemporary of um, Classroom of the Elite is probably that show Kakagurui, which I did an episode on. And you can go listen to in the feed. Um. But that's a that's a different thing in the in kind of the same air as something like Classroom of the Elite. So what's really unique about the the school that they're all going to in Classroom of the Elite is it's this really pres prestigious school. They don't give you any details about how you get into um, this school. But they do give you, but they give you just enough of the rules to the school setting 
will you know the rule the show's about to play with and play by? So what they say is, is that every student who gets into school gets um, put into a class based on their act, based on their worse as an academic student, or their va- or their value academically, from D to A. Class A being the highest rank, class D being the lowest rank, class C and B basically being different shades of the middle. And then there's the point, and then each student gets a point based on their based on a kind of meritocratic system of they get their points to based on what they achieve during the month. But what they do, and this is a really devious thing that, like, quite frankly, my grand my my grandfather did to my mother, and my mother told me about this. I was like, that's screwed up. If they give them the equivalent of a thousand dollar of a thousand American dollars, which means a hundred thousand yen, right off the bat, every student when they show up at school the first day. They're given their credits, and one credit equals one yen. And they're isolated from, and this is a key part, they're isolated in this school from the outside world. And they give them, they give them that information absolutely up front. And they say, you will see that you'll be mostly isolated from the outside world. And that's important. That little piece is important because... The outside world tends to be more rewarding of non-academic rigor or intelligence in an area that isn't easily measurable by an academic standard than a school environment. And many people find this out the fucking hard way when they get out of school. Oftentimes, even in college, if you're getting great grades in like art history, that doesn't so much matter when you go out into the world and you're not using that art history degree day to day. Um, when you, if you get great grades in algebra, in math, there are whole professions that don't use any math or use very little or very basic math. I'm a high-end furniture curator, which means I buy furniture on behalf of like seriously one percenter clients and I make sure it gets from the supplier to them and I also suggest that furniture to that client to those clients I use very basic math I I don't do anything that even comes close to touching algebra (laughs) and it's fine but so to in order to make this whole experiment work, that condition it this whole scenario work for this school and whoever's behind this school, that condition is very important. They have to be isolated because that all of their social lives, all of their real world lives need to be linked to the amount of money the amount of money they 
have and the system and them being dependent on this academic evaluation system that's about to be set up. So every student gets a thousand, gets a hundred thousand yen day one. And of course, these are high school students. They are like overjoyed. They're like, yeah, let's party. What wasn't mentioned to them, but the smartest, but the smarter, more savvy students tended to understand, or, and this is really important, the students who were already wealthy enough to like really have a meaningful relationship with money at the age of at high school, um, in a way, in a way where they could understand, like, okay, a hundred thousand dollars really isn't that month. A hundred thousand yen isn't actually that much. I shouldn't change my habits because of it. Manage to understand is like I should. I shouldn't. I I now have money to live here. I don't have money to like bust out to bust while and out and like party and rock and roll here. I maybe have money for some splurges sometime. But all of the other students, especially students in Class D, did as the teaching staff, as the staff at the school, expected and wanted them to do. They spent all of the money. And then the first of the next, the first of the next months of school ro rolls around, and they're all expecting to get re-upped with another hundred thousand, and they get no money. Because the other thing that they were doing this entire time was they were they were depending on the students to be self-starters. They were depending on the student the te the classes were being taught. And all that stuff, but the environment was set up to be really loose, really non-restrictive, really, um, really kind of, what's the best word for it, really lackadaisical. And and the our our main na the narrator of the narrator and main character of this show, um, Kiyotaka Ayano Koji, says this as much. He says like as the months wore on, you know, tardiness became a normal thing, absences became a normal thing, nobody cared. People read manga in class, and they show this to like drive the point home. People read manga in class. People, um, people read, people like took naps at their decks during class. It was a whole thing. And they further kind of proved this. They, they further kind of like cement this concept that they're building, that they're building up to like way later in the show when they do have a quasi public outing. And they get, like, the biggest, most beautiful luxury cruise liner to go on vacation on for anybody in the school. Not just them. And the school grounds are all gorgeous and, like, beautifully cared for and really imaginative. 
So what they've done is they've created like a gold cage for these kids. And they've like said, do whatever you want. And they gave them the rules in a way where they weren't telling, where they weren't lying to them, but they weren't telling them the whole truth. And they absolutely did not, like by definition, they did not give them like a student handbook that explained the rules of the school. And this is important because that means that the students only heard what was told to them in the way that it was told to them. So the rules of the school were, at the school, you're divided to you do you are divided up into class into classes with based on your academic scores previously. Each student is given each class is given an amount of points every month. These points are allotted on the first of every month. Everything in the school these points are based on academic on, on academic achievement. And note that point, academic achievement. And the last thing that's a um that's a professor, and I don't remember the professor's name, but she's a she's like a almost like an antagonist character throughout the show. Um I forget her name though. Got all the characters here because there's tons of characters in this thing. Because this thing is this thing. The other thing is this is like a stereotype ensemble show, and that that will be important in a couple minutes, in a, or in a little bit rather. Everything is for sale. Anything is for sale at this school. If you can think of possibly buying a thing here, like uh, anything, you can buy it. And so. At the end of the first month of school, at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of the first month of school, the bomb drops, and our two main characters, um, Ayakoji and um, a character, the kind of one of the three leads of the show, one of the three leads of the show, almost um, the uh, character Hirokita Suzune, are both like taken care not to spend that much money because they both they both a are loners so they don't have a lot of um pull in their social time to like spend their points but b they both were like something something don't feel right in this in this whole scenario and at that at that point they're both proven right with the idea that class d gets no points either word no new credits because Clasty was a bunch of slackers. But they didn't know what... They, they had no... They had no knowledge of what the punishment would really be or what the consequences of their actions were going to, were going to be, in other words. And... Later on in the show, what you start to see is that, like, this thing that's supposed to be set up as a meritocracy is working exactly as you'd expect that to work if you have any realistic understanding of it. It's not... 
The game isn't fair. It's rigged. From top to bottom. And they make that super clear. It's connected to whether or not a kid in your class got framed for for beating... With beating up a bunch of other kids. It's whether or not, you know, you have any advantage academically versus artistically versus as a craftsman versus any of that crap. It's whether or not you have a connected family. It's whether or not you are special in some way that society values versus special in a way that society has yet to understand. So what you kind of find out about um, these characters, like the characters of this show, um, is probably best embodied by the ten characters on the, like, cover poster. And these ten characters on this cover poster are all, all have an intrinsic societal value that value that's recognizable in some way in society. So there's a character. So in I in Ayakoji's case, Ayakoji is actually a really the first. Ayakoji is the biggest problem with this show, but he's also potentially its biggest asset because. And I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, terror, the show Terror and Resonance, and I've done an episode on Terror and Resonance in this, in on in on this podcast. You can go listen to it in the feed. But in Terror and Resonance, spoilers for that show, by the way. Um, it's this. What the story ultimately comes down to is that the is that the two main characters in that the two characters who are like enacting these bloodless highly technical, over-the-top terrorist attacks all over Tokyo are like these failed experiments of super geniuses. And essentially, that's what Ayakoji, what Ayano Koji is. Is he this, like, super, like, this child who was bred to be a super genius. From the minute go by his father, and it looks like a whole team of other people who are doing this to a bunch of kids, and he he was most likely the one surviving test subject who didn't snap under the pressure. Only what's he what he's done is he has chosen to get exactly fifties, exactly fifty percent. On all of his tests. And when I say it's like 50%. I don't mean a failing grade. I mean exactly half of the questions. On all of his entrance exams. Correct. And the other ones. Um, are. And then the other half is wrong. And, but in a really intentional way. So he's guided himself into. The lowest ranked class. And everyone who's smart enough recognizes like, oh, Ayano Koji is really smart. He, he, he is not genuinely, he, he's not participating in this system in good faith, but he's also not participating 
in like bad faith in the way that people higher up are and are capable of because they are playing just shy of breaking the rules of this system. And so you meet as this at the twelve at the twelve episodes of the first season go on, you meet all of these characters specifically from classes from not only the class D, which is like the kind of the main cast, but specifically from classes higher up than class D. You meet a girl from class B who has like a suspicious amount of like currency in her in like her school cell phone wallet. And it's like the points. She has like an she has like millions of points. And the show points this out like, isn't this odd? Isn't this weird? And that I forget that character's name because it's all these all these names are really are really pretty technical. Um I think Ichinose is the Ichinose is the character who the show points out as being like even Ayano Koji is like, how do you manage to get this many points? Like how like how does that how do you do that? How does that just happen? And interestingly, Ayano Koji uses her at several points as kind of almost a bank to like borrow money from because he's like, I need to solve this problem. The only person with essentially unlimited funds that I know in this show, in the, in my sphere is, um, is that character. So you meet her, she, you meet her pretty early on and she helps with like a plot device essentially. You meet a character, um, you meet a character in the, in class, in class, and I believe that, um, that Ichinose is in class C. I think she's in the next class up from D. In class B, you meet a character, a male character who's like the typical, um, Who's like the typical, um, like rich guy, pompous asshole stereotype of the show, um, named Kito. And Kito is like. The best way I can describe him is he is like a shadow of the character from, um, of the head of the harem ship in, um, Iron Blood Orphans, whose name I forget right now. But he kind of, he displayed it being like that character, but like nasty and cruel and manipulative. And it's clear that he has an iron grip on his class, which is class B. And they do everything by his orders alone. And then you meet, but one of the first characters you meet, like one of the right off the bat characters you meet is this like very ganky girl, um, character who's arguably one of the three one of the three four main cast members and that character is um let me scroll to her is is a character named Kushida and Kushida is this very 
ganky girl who wants to be friends with everybody and doing her best to be liked and be and be like the not played for laugh version of that character from Comey can't communicate whose childhood friend with absolutely every other every warm body in that show like she's trying to be friends with everybody she's trying to be kind and do her best to work with everybody and she's like the first to offer up help she's the first to like offer up her time all of this stuff and then I believe it I think it's like episode three there's a scene after school like at like after school at night with her where you see that Kushida isn't really this person she had she's like rotten at her core deeply resentful of um specifically the other female the other um made female lead um Horokita and she just like a nasty piece of work and what she's doing is she's putting on this facade because it will clearly benefit her at some point um and they and they actually use um they they use Ichinose as a great kind of counter to that because Ichinose is totally you you're getting what you what you see she is like she is caring she's giving she is earnest she is probably the most well adjust, adjusted character in the whole show and she, she but she also has this like slight tick of like she has the most money that you know of any character that you meet and so you have this like slight slight although very played into especially by episode three love triangle between ayana koji um horikita and um the two-faced girl i forget her i keep forgetting her name um because they're all and, and kushida and they kind of put that on the back burner. Like, Kushida's always there. She's always being kind. But they never let you forget about the fact that, like, she's this wretch of a person at her core. But they, I think maybe they only, like, they only show it clearly. Three, arguably four times in the show that, like, they show her real... they. They show her showing her true colors. Whereas Horokita is the little sister of the president of the student council, who's very clearly like the top the top dog at the school, all this other stuff. And she's like turned herself into this cold, like absolute kind of bitch of a person. To try and ascend to A class to like prove her brother wrong and probably sort out some stuff involving like background familial nonsense that is brought that is brought up um pretty early in the show. And what's this whole thing? What's this whole thing start to do, but then kind of fail that? 
And part of why I'm inter- why I'm talking about now, why I'm interested in the new season that they announced like this week, is it. It starts to this show starts to set starts to place value on on everybody equally. They they take like the smallest side characters and they give them major plot significance, ma- major value and significance by the end of the first season, which ends in like a ludicrous, very dangerous survival game scenario but then they negate all of it with the character of Ayana Koji so Ayana Koji is interesting because he's very clearly in this school on purpose to make a statement about people's value regardless of society's skewed understanding of their value And you see him as this character who very clearly could be part of Class A academically and like academically and mentally at any point. Like at any point, he could just be like, "Oh, I'm done with you guys. I put in I put in a transfer request. I took the test. I aced it. I'm going to Class A." And to be clear, they don't say that that's possible. But once again, and they prove this um, later when, uh, in like the first major plot arc, when Ayana Koji buys a test point to make sure that its classmate passes and doesn't get expelled, um, that anything is for sale in this school. And essentially... He's supposed to be the character who's railing against this. He's proving that this this class system at this school, and therefore the class system in schools, period, and the class system in like in life is inherently flawed and should like be re-examined and done away with ultimately. But what happens by the end of the show is that, like, there comes to be a point when everything's falling apart around him. When, um, the, like, leader, uh, the current, the leader of Class A is manipulating an entire, like, the entire survival, the survival game test. Um, and that character is, uh, Kasaragi. To, like... A, intentionally leave Class D in the dirt so there's no way they can catch up, but also B, overwhelmingly dominate. Like, he is, he is manipulating multiple different pieces for small... Kasaragi, and by extension his entire class, is doing the thing rich people are capable of doing. Is he is using what to him are meaningless amounts of essentially money to gain a profit that is so unbelievably big that the reason that other people don't care 
is because they can't possibly conceive of what he's about to get for what he's offering anybody else. It's the equivalent of, what's the equivalent, what's the best equivalent? It's the equivalent of walking up to somebody and saying, oh, I'd like to buy your Bitcoin for a penny and pulling it off. Or buy, or it's the equivalent of buying buying a share of Google for, actually this is a better way way to put it. It's It's the equivalent of buying a share of Google for a penny and then selling that share of Google and then being able to buy into something like Bitcoin and that magnifying like tenfold in a few hours. All inside the span of a day. Like that's, that's the kind of level that he's working on. And the only reason he can do that is because he has the mental tools with which to understand how to make that happen for himself. And by extension, his entire class. And... What... What this show at that point... And this is, like, by the end... This is the very end of the show. What the show at that point needs to do is it needs to derail... It needs to totally derail Class A's attempt to such a degree that it's clear that it got fucked up, not because somebody missed a step, but because somebody else took a countermeasure that screwed them over royally. But what that requires of our main character, Ayana Koji, is it requires him to demonstrate this side of himself that he's resisted up until the entire up and for the entire show so far. And he's made little pushes towards that side of himself, but they've always been and I suppose will always be going forward for everybody else around him. But in something like in something like um the basketball character guy um almost getting expelled, he uses the whole he uses this whole system that he has at his disposal to first save the guy from getting expelled once with his test score, and then saving the guy after he's further targeted, not by the school, but by just the system that the school has created for after he's framed for almost beating people up. After he's, after he's framed for beating people up. And both of those times, and then later with the character Sakura, um, who ends up getting a crush on him because he's the only person who seems to, like, have a heart towards her at all, especially when she has severe social anxiety. Um, he is doing this stuff for the purpose of helping him or others. 
And ultimately, he does he does help other people in the process of screwing up Plan A's, uh, Class A's plan to, like, absolutely crush everybody else. And he does it... He does it really carefully, so it's the only... The only loser in this scenario is Class A. Everybody else does okay does okay enough where it's not a total defeat, where it's not it's not like he declared it's not like he launched a tactical nuke at everybody on the board. He waltzed into Class A's camp, so to speak, and like shot their leader in the back of the head and waltzed out. <laughs> and The unfortunate result is that he uses all of these tools that this system values so much and figures out a way out. Whereas... So I'm going to compare this to Bach. I'm going to compare this to Baca and Test because I think that Baca and Test is the best comparison to this show. In Classroom of the Elite, and also in, um, uh, also in Kakagurui, they create these extremely hierarchical environments in which the solution isn't to tear down the environment, it's to introduce an organism that is too, uh, introduce a character who is too well-tuned for the environment to sufficiently oppressed by the people who made the environment. It's essentially it's essentially a Seth Curry in a basketball video game problem. And if you don't know anything about that, essentially the problem with Seth Curry's sh- shooting average is that if you put his actual shooting average into any of the basketball video games, it breaks the entire model that runs the game because it would mean that he never misses and the game can't function on that. And that's essentially what the character of Ayana Koji is. Is he's this... Is he the the person that this system was designed to create? But because the system was designed to create that person, if that person is put into the system and just run wild... The system can't keep up with him because he is doing everything as the system intended and as it designed, and he is playing the system exactly as it's designed to work. But the system is not created for that scenario, so it doesn't hold. So anybody else is at such a disadvantage, they can no longer succeed. Whereas in Bach and Test, what Bach and Test does is it sets up a similar, sets up a very similar system, but it's done in a comedic show, so it's not as, like, the fact that all the people are losers are, it's, it's a joke, not, it's a joke, not the, it's a joke, not the point, so to speak. And this is true of, um, What's that? Um, what's that? Uh, fan that uh jokey, 
um, isekai show. That, that, that it's, it's the same thing. And there are tons of shows that do this in similar ways. In different and in similar ways in different settings and genres, not just school or isekai or whatever. And what the show does by using I Ayana Koji's character in that way is it loses its fangs really as a satire. And this is not an uncommon thing to be that's true in, that is untrue in other shows. Like, in other shows, like, it's a t- like even in something like Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is actually a great example. Like, Seto Kaiba is a threat right up until Yugi beats him by being better at card games. The answer is not deal with Seto Kaiba's core problem, like core emotional baggage, it is beat him hard enough where he goes away. And in this show, in Classroom of the Elite, the answer is not, at least yet, in the anime, I don't know about the manga, I know it's based on a manga because the, um, the, uh, character image for many of the characters is just straight up a manga picture, not an anime picture on, um, on, on my, on my anime list. The point isn't that it's, the point isn't that we're pulling down the whole system, like, along the ride. The point is that you have to be perfect at the system. You have to be perfect at the game to play the game and win the game to change it. But the reality there is the thing I struggle with because oftentimes people, when people are perfect enough to play the game and win, they don't, when they win, they don't change the game. When they win, they're just at the top now. Now, the thing I will give Classroom of the Elite is the character of Ay- of Ayana Koji seems resentful of the fact that his brain works this way. He is very aware that like what he's doing is shitty. <laughs> like it went by the end of the show, and I if I had to um if I had to guess, I would think that like the the like triangle of characters that they've created at the core of the show, which is Ayana Koji um, Kushida and Horokita is supposed to be this represent Hork and this is really shitty and chauvinistic, but the the show kind of is in a weird, very essentially Japanese way, I promise. Horokita and I and and Kushida kind of represent the two possible kind of possibilities for a result. Kushida is more than likely Ayana Koji, and Ayana Koji almost basically says as much 
in the final moments, in some of the final final moments of the twelfth episode, when Kushina straight up confronts him and says, "Like, I wonder who. I wonder if both of us stood in front of you and made you pick, made you pick a partner, made you like pick a girlfriend who you would go with. I bet you would go with her." And Ayana Kochi says to her, "Like." Horokita seems like a pain in the ass. She seems like she... The thing that he essentially says is, Horokita is engaging with this system on face value. She's engaging with... She is engaging with this system in good faith that she will be rewarded. And uh, everything that Ayana Koji had done up until that point had been like the bleeding edge of this system's rules. He is using the... He's using the machinery at his... He's like MacGyvering this system that the school has set up for them to live by and pushing it to its limits in ways that only someone who absolutely understands what's possible can do. Where the majority of people, including Horokita, but most likely not... Um, not Kushina. It's a the the ending A is a lot. It even get them confused. Are willing to accept like Horokita is really spurred into action many times by Ayana Koji, not by her own recognition of what's happening. So in, and the um the like second arc with Sudo almost getting kicked out of school because Class B framed him is a perfect example. They had all the pieces, and Horokita almost didn't use them because she was staring at this system at the essentially rigged rigged court hearing. And all she could see was how rigged it was against her. She couldn't see the opportunity to use all this evidence they now had that made it bit, that made it so glaringly obvious that Sudo was framed. All she could see was the game's rigged against me. And not only is the game rigged against me, but the reason that the game was rigged against me was because someone was because this is the way it is. This is the way life is. Whereas Ayana Koji saw, like, no, this doesn't have to be the way this is. This shouldn't be the way this is. This clearly isn't Suda's fault. This whole system has been out to get this poor fucking kid because he has. Because essentially he displays a talent for something that is not grossly academic. And he is not middling enough at anything else to achieve that, to achieve those goals. To to achieve those goals and the system allow it. Um and The system does 
And the system is attempting to remove him because it doesn't have any value for him. So Ayana Koji literally rigs rigs the game in his favor to but still within the bounds of the rules of the system to keep pseudo there. And it's very clear that that's what's happening to Horokita, and that's why she is kind of being dragged up the ladder or pushed up the ladder from beneath by Ayana Koji. Often. Whereas Kushina is greasing the social system of reality and is and is engaging with this whole thing in bad faith explicitly for her own for her own something most likely Ayana Koji's affection and what Ayana Koji says essentially in that moment is no like I, I, I don't like that I had to play this fucking three dimensional chess to do this this shouldn't be this shouldn't be what it required to eke out a win for yourself. Like it shouldn't this it reality is not a penny gain to penny lost. Reality is not a zero sum game. Reality should be accepting of all kinds of people, accepting of all different kinds of skills and abilities. I Ayana Koji o- opens up his, like, the first, one of the first things Ayana Koji asked his teacher, the, um, kind of one of the few stand-ins for the faculty we see at the school, um, a character named, uh, Chibihara Sei, he asks her if she thinks the world is equal. And she says in so many words, no, I don't think it's equal. It's, in fact, hideously unequal, but that's the way it is. And that's what this school is here to teach you. And she, le- she all of her interactions say, basically, that's why everything at the school has a price. It's all about linking it down to how smart you are, how teachable, how fungible as a knowledge base you can be. Whereas... Ayana Koji rightfully believes, like, that shouldn't matter. It's like, your grade in algebra shouldn't fucking matter when it comes to what job you get. You should not be put on a track to decide the rest of your life when you don't know what you're doing because you're 16. And the and more importantly, the people who do know what they're doing with six, when they're 16... And are so confident they are going to be masters of the universe. Should not be made to feel absolutely sure of that. Because that's not. That doesn't set somebody up who's a stable human being. That sets up a paranoid psychopath. That sets up somebody who. When they encounter. Real meaningful challenge. Will buckle. Um, so there's a great the there's a great show on right now and this probably will end it. Um 
called Bel Air, and if you know anything about the show Bel Air, it's on. It's streaming on Peacock. I think it's a six episode season, four episodes, maybe five by the time I post this are out. Um, and that show is a remake of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but um, and I talked about it in the big in my um big ID in my big questions, um episode that that was on last Sunday. But there was a scene in the most recent episode I watched, which was episode four, where the like new character and they've expanded on all the characters from the old show tremendously, giving them way more depth and per- personality. And there's a moment in the show where Will and Hillary are talking. And Hillary's like, I I'm trying to make this influencer, this, like, I'm trying to step out on my own and I just don't have enough money. And Will, and the Will, Will Smith's character, Will, looks her straight in the eye and goes, so this is the first time you've never, you haven't had enough money to do what you, to do what you feel like you need to do. And she says, like, yeah. And he's like, and she's like, yeah. Do you know what that's like? And he's like, since the dad was born, and they and they make they make this real, and most of that episode is about like the difference between growing up like super privileged and rich and like with all the advantages in the world, and growing up in the reality of the ghetto and poor and. That's what a lot of the show is about, actually. And it's where the show derives a lot of its conflict, too. And... The bottom line is that when... Um, when the, char- when the like, Class A character, um, Katsuragi, is visited by the, by the ultimate like, trump card of Ayana Koji that Ayana Koji puts forward, he is, like, crushed. And his entire class, who's, once again, full of people who have been experiencing, like, the highest level of privilege that this school can offer, which is undoubtedly immense, is, like, what are you going to do about this, Katsuragi? Of course you didn't see this coming, you jackass. And then as soon as somebody else walks in, another character walks into the picture, they all turn their ire to him. If these characters had thought, had, like, put all the pieces together properly, they would have seen this as a possibility. They would have seen the way that the machine that they're using against everybody else can be used against them. This was true recently in the real world in the form of the GameStop and mean stocks of the world. If enough people decided that GameStop didn't need to die, what they would do, what they did, is they bought GameStop on mass. And they pumped it up. And the people who had leveraged against GameStop, betting essentially betting GameStop would fail, freaked the fuck out. But here's the thing, and here's the thing that they demonstrate very early in the show. 
in the GameStop scenario, they they used rules that nobody that nobody else playing really thought about to stop it. That was the same. The rules were essentially changed in favor of the people at the top in Sudo's second case when he was framed for beating people up. So there's all these levers being pulled that nobody sees. And Ayana Koji's advantage in this show is that he's essentially do, taking the next step, the next leap of logic to be like, oh, I should... Like, I should assume that if this is true, then something else is true down the road. Via this, that, the other thing. And as is usually the case with these shows, like, if you sit with the logic of this show, it all connects together really easily. But it's relying on the fact that you're not doing the connecting to make this all true. And it's also relying on the fact that character that the intelligent character of finding fringe ways to break the rules that allow them to game the system and it's just this show is very messy it's very it has a lopsided quality what it's what it's trying to say about like a mer- a purely meritocratic system is really critical of that system and it which is good but it is also like still trying to be a fun one-upsmanship game thing i'm not sure that that's what you want to do with the system i think i think that out of I think that out of this show, that out of this show's characters' approaches, you want to be more like um, Kushina and less like Horikita. You want to less, you, you want to less often engage with systems that feel uneven, on good faith, on the faith that if I just play by the rules and I try my hardest, I'll get to the top. And you want to more often realize that you can't, that unless you designed it from the top down yourself, you won't know what's happening. You won't have all the answers. So you need to proceed accordingly and you need to take all the things you know, add some of the things you suspect and do your best to... Just make sure you're not in the losing bracket, essentially. And that's kind of the goal of this thing. And one of the reasons I want to talk about this show and one of the reasons I think it's interesting that it's getting another season, especially now, because there are a whole bunch of new companies that are billion-dollar evaluation companies coming out of COVID. Some you might have thought of. Some you probably didn't. Amazon made shit tons of money because COVID changed the name of the game for buying things. Instacart has so much more money than it did before. But not just that. 
what's the thing you see in every single like bank or open space where you talk at somebody now that you didn't before? You see new flexiglass barriers. The people who make flexiglass are the new are the new post-it family at this point. They have made so much money and will probably continue to make tons of money. The people the Purell went from a couple million dollar company to a couple billion dollar company because of the pandemic. That meant the rules change. That meant that the game is different now in some way. But is that a good thing? Like, it all, uh, is this like capitalistic free market thing really equal? If a guy like, say, Martin Shkreli can buy an AIDS medication, jack it up, and make another couple billion dollars for his coffers and still be an absolute piece of shit. Is it, is it fair that the founder of WeWork is like allowed to still make money? The, what this show is really about is it's about questioning a system of punishment and rewards that pretend to be arbitrary and pretend to be truly and purely meritocratic, but fail to account for where everybody started. And if I... If I had gotten the notification of this show, if I've seen that this show is going to be getting a new season before the big questions, I probably would have talked about this show more uh, before the big questions episode last Sunday. I probably would have talked about this show in that episode because I think that this show is in, through Ayana Koji and through Ayana Koji's self-realization is encouraging questioning the very premise of some things in society that we should be questioning. I'm not saying like question whether or not the Holocaust happened or question whether or not people are racists. I'm saying question why ask why instead of just saying well I mean that makes sense. Why not? You know, why not? Ask yourself why you're not asking the question about this, that, or the other thing if it seems off to you. Because a lot of the reasons we're in the fucked up version of reality we're in right now is because we didn't question enough. On that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of... um, Lunchbox Radio come out every Thursday and Sunday. Sunday is a more metatextual show. I call it the Sunday edition. It's about, like, fandom. It's about um, stuff I'm thinking about around anime. Um, It's about the industry and stuff like that. Um, 
The Thursday shows are usually something more like this. They're about a show property, rarely a manga. I've got my own like manga minute thing that I try and have fun with. That I do that whenever I like have a manga I want to talk about. That's a very occasional thing. It's not a regularly occasional bonus thing that I put out. Um, but on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you on Sunday. She